Hi, Colette and Gerald. We'll get started in just a little bit here. This is Tegan. Sounds good. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be about 10 minutes. So just hang out for a couple. Okay, Becky Lewis. Here. Brian Fitzgerald. Here. John Proamp. Here. Gary Albers. Here. Joella West. Here. And uh, Jeff Gustafson is absent. Okay, very good. And Nate Laws here. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Um, so now I guess uh, the next piece of business is uh, we have housekeeping announcements uh, regarding the Zoom meeting. Uh, so should I go through those? Okay. All right. In addition to the normal public 
notice procedure, uh, adjoining property owners, newspaper legal notice, and posting the physical site. Zoom video conferencing contact information was published <clears throat> on the Route County website, meeting agendas, and Facebook. Meeting is also available via telephone call into Zoom for those who do not have access to a computer or smartphone. Uh, there's a note that it's important that all commissioners, staff, petitioners, and public microphones be muted unless speaking. Those wishing to speak, please raise your hand, which you can do. Uh, I'm just looking myself here to make sure that I have a way to do that. Is that physically raising your hand or uh, I thought there was a Zoom hand raising. Does anybody know that? Uh, yeah, Donald, if you click on the bottom of the Zoom screen, there should be a menu item that says reactions. It's got a little smiley face with a plus. Mm. And if you click on that, you'll see a raised hand. Oh, but if you're, using the, if you're using the web version, it may not be there. Yeah, I don't have it. So. We can physically raise our hands also. Yeah, we'll... Yeah. Well, we'll physically raise our hand because I don't have, I've had that in the past and I don't see it here tonight. So. Yeah, I've done some upgrades um, over time. And so now it's on that reactions um, tab, but raising your hand is, I think, yeah. sufficient for everybody. Yeah, we have a small group, I think we'll be able to handle that. Okay, very good. Okay, so um, I'll read this part. Those wishing to speak, please raise your hand. We said physically so Sarah can keep track of who wished to speak and call upon them to do so. For those who are attending without video, uh, we'll need to interject during a lull in the conversation so they can unmute and uh, make a, a verbal request. Those via, uh, participating by phone with audio can only can mute, unmute by pressing star six on their keypad. They can raise their hand by pressing star nine. Those participating via computer or smartphone with video can raise their hand by putting their cursor on their picture. Aha, let's try that. Uh, I don't see that that's helping me, but okay, we've already addressed that. They must have changed it. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, cursor on their picture or square if no video. And near the top where there are three dot, dots option appear. One of them is raise hand. Oh, you see that? No, okay, all right, we're good. Okay, so uh, now we're going to um, uh, confirm the, the folks that are here. Uh, staff participants, we have Tegan and Sarah and Becky is hiding from us over there. She's okay. All right. Um, the petitioner and representatives of petitioner, uh, Burris's, howdy. And are there any public uh, attendees that we should know about? Apparently not. Okay. All right. Next item is, uh, are there any public uh, comments uh, on anything 
not included in the agenda. And since we don't seem to have any anybody here, that's good. Okay, uh, next item is approval of minutes. Um, does anyone have any uh, any comments with respect to the agenda as written? Okay, all in favor of approval? Aye. 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 Well, I guess we should we should have a, a motion. We're looking for a motion to uh, uh, accept the the minutes. Can I have move, a motion? Move to accept. Second. All right, it's been moved and accepted. Uh, so all in favor of approval, vote aye. 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 Okay. The, I'm sorry, uh, was that second from Nate? I couldn't tell for sure. Yes. Okay, thank you. Okay, so the, um, the first item that we're going to address tonight is uh, this uh, sunshine resolution. Uh, has everybody had a chance to read through that? Okay. Do we need to do we need to physically read it, or is is that acceptable? It doesn't have to be read. Um, it's entirety. You guys can just vote on it if you read it. Okay. It's the annual. It, it does require it does require a motion, but it can just be sunshine resolution as presented. Okay. Very good. I'll move. Okay. We have we have a move to uh, to second and a second. Okay, everybody in favor, vote say aye. 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 Okay, so that's been accepted. Okay, so now the next thing um, we are going to move on to uh, the Burris um, uh, request. For variance, uh, and the first part of that will be to ask the petitioners to uh, uh, present their application. So you can. And Colette, did you want me to um, put up the site plan on the screen? Do a share screen with that while you speak. Sure, I think that would be a great idea. You know, I have it up here on my screen, but I think for everybody it would be good yeah. that we can see it on the screen as well. Just let me know, Colette, at any point if you want me to change it to any of the other um, images in the packet. Um, no, the, the 2018 real estate photo too is also good. Okay, let I mean, me, do you want me to start with that one? If you're two dimensional, uh, it doesn't matter. Okay, yeah. let's go to that one then. And I'll just zoom in a little. The, the yeah, visual anyway, so then you... Okay. Take it away. Yeah. Then that might might be easier when they look at the ISP. And, and my husband, Jerry, is here. But since I'm the retired real estate person, I'm the lead on the project. <laughs> she's, so, she's the brain. Yeah, well, whatever. Um, so how do I pre present this? Just go through my whole packet that I presented? Okay. Um, we purchased the property in November 2018. Uh, previous owner or owner owners had uh, improved a portion of the barn and you can see the lower portion right on the right side there's two overhangs the one side was used as a chicken coop we use it for storage and, uh, and on the right side is where the bunkhouse is um, the dimensions on that were approximately 14 by whatever 
So it's less than 800 square feet. Uh, we did find out when we met with Todd Carr last July, or was it this July, excuse me, July 2021, that that portion of the barn was improved without permits. Um, it does have running water. There's a kitchen in it with a sink, a living room, a wood stove, electric baseboard heaters. It has a closet, a bedroom, and the beginnings of a bathroom. There's a shower in there that's plumbed, but it does not have a um, OTWS or septic system. So our request, since our property is a little unique in that it's got two clusters. I understand the county, the master plan, you wanna keep the ranch compound and clustered together. And that was the whole intent of the 300 foot distancing. But you see down at the base of the pro property, that is what we consider our ranch compound. We have um, to the starting at the very far left, Tegan down there, that little building, you wanna go down, yeah, right there. That's like a storage, that's a building that we use for storage. Uh, going counter counterclockwise, the next building is my husband's workshop. No, the other way, sorry, counterclockwise. <clears throat> and then going further, then we have the barn. To the right of the barn, there's our chicken coop. We have all our water spigots down here. There's a water spigot behind the barn, water spigot in front of the chicken coop. Then continuing counterclockwise, we have the lean-to. This is where one fenced-in pasture for our cows. And then going down further, that's our hay shed. Um, that road is an easement for our neighbor. But, and our intent to, when, we're, when we purchase the property is to start fencing everything off, to finish the fencing, to maximize the property for grazing. Um, my husband's already done a whole bunch of work mowing that middle pasture. So we got down most of the sagebrush. Um, off to the left, there's another side pasture there where the barn is. He's got that fencing finished and we've been, we use that for grazing during the summer. We intend to, he's already put up a fence line on the south part of the property and behind the house. And we intend to make a little alleyway there and have this portion between the garage and the driveway also has pasture land. Um, and then also across the driveway, fence that off as well for more pasture land. So at the top of the property where she's got the little hand, that's basically just our, we have a small house and then there's a two car garage. There's an old historic, I don't know what you want to call it, like a little cabin that used to be there. Um, and that's, we just use that for storage as well. So as far as the, our variance request, we are requesting the distancing of 600 feet versus 300 feet so that we may go ahead and, and use the bunkhouse as our secondary dwelling unit with the intent that that is where the main ranch operations are. We're not spring chickens here, but as we age, we had intended that like a ranch hand would live in there or a caretaker or whatever. Um, and we're willing to, you know, get everything conforming, go through the proper processes to get that conforming. I don't know, should I go through every single detail or just wait for questions? Well, uh, we really wanna, uh, you know, we have to address this based on the county rules, which you're, uh, you've uh, made some comments to. And I think that's uh, what we really wanna hear uh, is uh, how you're addressing uh, the uh, uh, criteria 
that the county set forth. Okay. Um, yeah, the peculiar, you're talking about the peculiar and exceptional difficulties and I think I've, I had, had addressed those. In my, yeah. So the, that's why I provided all those photos. So again, um, I guess we'll refer to photos. Looking at the photos A and B on the north side in front of our house, the main house, as far as what I, what I did was I tried to do like a 300, estimated a 300 foot parameter around the house. So there's a couple photos here showing the front of the house, basically the view. And obviously we wouldn't want to build anything there. You can see our, it's our circular driveway and you can see the fence line where our center pasture starts. Um, that would obstruct our views and we'd have to build into our pasture land, which kind of defeats the purpose of viable agricultural land. Um, photo B, I want to scroll down to that. That's again, standing on the front deck looking north, but kind of over to the northwest portion. And then you'll see the corner of our garage there. So obviously that's really not an optimal site. It would, it would um, impact the market value of the property. Really anything up on the upper portion of the property is gonna impact our neighbor at the one that shares our easement because his, his deck looks out on our house and we'll get to those photos in a second. Well, let's just keep scrolling down. Uh, photo C, there we have our garage right there. And we do have some tall, I don't know if you call them trees or I think those are trees. They're, they're kind of like big bushes, I don't know. But that's kind of our little shelter. You can see the one there behind the garage, but there's a little sort of a natural wall there and that's our privacy from our neighbor. And that actually on the other side of those trees is where Jerry had intended to put the fence in for more pasture grazing land for the cows. And then next photo, photo D is, is still moving southern or yeah, south. Um, you can see those bushes, trees going down to photo D there main dwelling looking west. We do use that as a parking area as well. And moving on to photo E. That's the new fence you just put in that's running on the southerly border. You can see in the distance there, that's our neighbor's house and his deck is right on the front facing our property. Then going photo F is looking easterly, same spot. I'm standing in the same spot, just turned around looking east. And you can see that really the only, the property is fair sparsely treed right by the residence. Again, you know, we'd have to tear down trees if we were gonna construct anything there. There's only 91 feet between the back property line and the back of the house. Um, very, to me, impractical to build something there. Plus it would tear down the vegetation. And although we're not in the town limits of Oak Creek, that is still one of a priority of, the, of them and their comprehensive plan is to retain whatever vegetation you can. Um, so there's that. Photo G is now standing at the back of our house on the south side of the house. And again, you can just see the vegetation there, the few trees that we have right there. And continuing down to photo H, that's kind of stepping back from photo G, stepping back a little bit so you can see the corner of the house. 
we have a tremendous amount of rock up here. And when Jerry was doing all the fencing, he's hitting a lot of rock um, that he couldn't even penetrate with the bobcat <laughs> and a, pound, a fence post pounder. He, he created a little drill, a big, huge metal drill to try to drill through some of this to get the fence posts in. And even that sometimes was nearly impossible to concrete, penetrate. Concrete hole saw. Yeah, concrete hole saw. Drill through the rock. Yeah, so that's, I mean, for us, that's that's a particular difficulty for us in this area around the house. Um, then photo I. This again, still standing on the south side of the house. This is looking towards our neighbor. And again, you just see the few trees that are there that give us a privacy shelter from, from him. Photo J. This is walking up, I don't know if you recall how the, his easement to my, our neighbor's house. This is right on the corner. I didn't want to get too close to his house and intrude, but right on the corner going up to his house of the driveway. So you can see right now, he's a, the little bit of trees that we have there obstruct our house from his view. But if we had to build something there, that's gonna impact the aesthetic enjoyment of his property. He's gonna have to be looking at another a structure right there. And it's not like it's on the lower portion of the property kind of out of sight. It would be right in his face. He'd be driving by it all the time. Then photo K, same curve, just a little panned over a bit. And again, you can see he doesn't see anything right now. So there's no impact. And, and that's kind of our, our big push is that the barn's existing. It's not impacting any of our neighbors. It's not impacting any of the neighborhood by us having to get that conforming and using that as a secondary dwelling unit. If we have to construct something it is gonna impact people's aesthetic enjoyment for sure, because they're gonna be looking at a building, um, not to mention the other difficulties. Photo L, um, this is at that corner, but looking down the driveway easement, these stakes here, Jerry's actually already put the fence there. That was proposed livestock fencing when we first applied, but that's already up now. Then M, This is standing on the north side of the house on the porch, looking to the east. And to the east, you see that little the roof of the historic structure. That's our side yard. We have our septic line, our gas lines, um, power lines, uh, no, powers overhead, I'm sorry, gas and septic lines running through there somewhere behind that historic structure. And then beyond that is the septic tank and leach field. And we'll get to that photo in a second. Okay, then photo O. Oh, I'm sorry, N. That's just a clear view from, from the, from basically from the front of our garage looking east. You can see the propane tank there, the historic structure. You can see the pipe for the leach field. You actually see our cows in the background there. Um, so that just gives you a more 
clear view of that. All those nice trees are on our neighbor's property. <laughs> now going photo O. This is kind of walking down the driveway a little bit so you get a more easterly, southeasterly look of, of the property, that spot there. And, and for us, it's it just seems very impractical because again, because of all the infrastructure that's there, we've got the livestock fence, we have elevated ground there for the septic tank. Um, yeah, it's very problematic to try and construct something there. And then photo P, You see, if you can see the little hill slot, hillside there, that's where the septic tank, well, that's the leach, but over to the left, if you follow that left, yeah, there's like a little slope there. That's the edge of the septic tank. And then we have the livestock fence and there's only about 15 feet between there. So even if we did construct an SDU on behind that area, trying to get a driveway in that's conforming I don't think that, I don't, I'm not sure what your regulations are, but I'm sure it's not a 15 foot width. I know our driveway is 16 and it needs to be 16 for two dwellings. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of the visual aspect of it. As far as if the um, current SDU zoning regulations were strictly enforced, it would create a financial hardship for us. Um, we're both retired and we lived on fixed income. We do most of the work ourselves when we do, can. Um, we have provided just a text that I sent to um, a local contractor and I, I'm sure you're all well aware of the escalating construction costs. Now, um, I actually calculated out what a HELOC would be if we had to take out a loan to construct this and we simply could not afford it. Um, the minimum payment would be 684 to like $1,200 a month. Um, and the planning response to that was just saying, you know, we shouldn't have to, uh, excuse me, let me get, was talking about that the, um, allowing the use of the existing illegally constructed secondary dwelling unit on the basis of its existence and the lower cost to obtain the permits can be interpreted as a personal convenience. But when I look at the definition of convenience, convenience is a situation that makes something easy or useful. Um, I, can, I can tell you from my real estate experience, having to remodel somebody else's work in that bunkhouse is not gonna be easy and it's not gonna be simple, it will be costly. It's going to be very time consuming going through all the permitting processes. New construction would be easier, but it's just out of our reach right now. The way inflation has hit this year with the construction costs. Um, so and hardship, when I define hardship, it's when you can't pay the bills. You don't have enough money to pay the bills. And we certainly on a fixed income are not going to be able to afford a HELOC loan payment for the next 30 years. Uh, I don't think either one of us will be alive in 30 years, but <laughs> well, maybe I will, who knows? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so we, we estimate permitting and improving the bunkhouse, including putting in a septic, being somewhere between 25 dollars and $35,000. And that's with us doing most of the work as owners. Um, 
circumstances creating the hardship. We purchased the property and didn't realize there were as many non-conforming problems as there are. We have several non-conforming um, issues on the property aside from the bunkhouse that we want to remedy. And as a retired realtor, I definitely want to clean this property up for future resale someday. I know how important that is. Um, again, the exceptional topographic features with all the rocks around the main dwelling, it, it's going to be very difficult to construct something there. Yes, they did it with our house. They, they constructed the foundation, I think, in piers from that engineering and soil report. Um, but we have a lot of drainage coming through our rear crawl space from snow melt, like right now in the winter. We usually have snow about halfway, three quarters of the way up to the back wall um, versus down at the base of the property where the barn is. We don't have runoff going there. It goes behind the barn. Okay. <clears throat> well, thank you for that presentation. And um, at this point, I guess we're, uh, unless you have something else uh, pertinent to add, uh, we can move on to the next uh, part of our uh decisions sure okay you have any right, questions let me know yeah that's what the next uh coming up now uh we'll ask the board uh to uh come forward with any questions that they have of you oh i'm sorry staff i'm sorry i jumped ahead i think staff <laughs> now is is up for uh, uh making their presentation um, so thank you, Colette, for going through those um, site photos. And I just want to make a quick correction to the staff report that was originally sent out. It was reposted with an amendment, um, but the staff report when it was originally published had proposed 575 feet. That's kind of what their ISP is showing. Uh, but just to be safe, they're requesting, um, and in their original application, they requested up to 600 feet. So that was my error. Um, but I just wanted to call out that correction quickly in case anybody's confused by that. So ultimately staff um, are recommending denial of this application. The reasons um, being for that is we could not find support for the first three um, items in that, you know, those five criteria. So particularly the particular and exceptional practical difficulties um, section, the circumstances creating a hardship um, was created, you know, was not created before the zoning regulations were adopted. Um, and we couldn't find that this site possessed any extraordinary or exceptional features that are limiting the construction within that 300 foot radius around the existing primary dwelling unit. So um, just to show you, this is just an aerial of the site. The red um, circle is indicating that 300 foot boundary. Um, kind of the criteria that we use for buildable or not buildable when it comes to slope is 30%. And the reason for that is because our subdivision regulations as they are currently written um, do not allow platting of area over 30% grade or occupancy, um, whereas this site doesn't have the green is area that's 30% or below. The red is area that exceeds 30%. Um, and the area surrounding that home is not exceeding 30% in grade. So it doesn't have this exceptional topography that 
we would be looking for in a site that's really heavily constrained. Additionally, the site is 35 acres, which is our minimum lot size. Um, in our agricultural forestry zone district, therefore it doesn't have the exceptional, um, you know, small area that we sometimes see in applications. And as you can see in these um, photos, these real estate photos that were likely taken, you know, with a drone or something, they're kind of hovering above the property. You can see on the far left here, you've got County Road 27, and then you can see the site and it's not a heavily obstructed site that we're um, viewing at this point. The applicant brought up a couple of points that I just wanted to um, speak to when it comes to the views of the adjacent property owner. Um, although they might see another structure on a neighbor's parcel, there's nothing to prevent somebody from building structures on their parcel. Um, the sheer fact that the neighbor would see it um, doesn't mean that it is having so great of an impact on a neighbor's property that it's unreasonable. Um, you know, the expectation is that people develop their property a certain way. So constructing a secondary dwelling unit within the area of the primary dwelling unit is feasible, although the neighbor might see that it exists. It's not blocking his entire view. Um, I mean, the house is significantly far further away from this property um, that it doesn't even show in this aerial. Um, additionally, uh, the arguments about the financial hardships of the applicant don't have a basis on the physical um, constraints of the property and market costs of construction are an expected and anticipated part of developing a property um, and the financial status of an applicant shouldn't have any sort of um, impact on the development potential of a parcel um, from a staff perspective and from those criteria, all we can really look at is what the parcel actually has and those characteristics that the parcel has, not the characteristics of the applicant or the property owner. So those were just things that I wanted to touch on. Um, I mean, I understand the applicant's motivation for going through this process. However, with our five criteria, we just from a staff perspective could not find support for it. Okay, thank you, Tegan. <clears throat> okay, if that's uh, the end of the staff comments, then uh, I'll open the uh, meeting up to the members of the Board of Adjustment uh, to ask either staff or uh, the petitioners uh, any questions that they have. I, ha I have some questions. Okay, Joella, you're recognized. Thank you. Uh, my first question is for staff. Um, I would like to know once again, the reason for the limitation on the distance between a secondary dwelling unit and the main dwelling unit. What is the rationale behind that? So the distance between the primary unit and the secondary dwelling unit was um, determined by the Board of County Commissioners. Um, from a staff perspective, our interpretation for that distance is to create um, this you know, clustered 
buildings on parcels and to reduce the appearance of sprawl among the community. Um, I mean, I don't want to put words in our county commissioner's mouths, but that was a regulation that they had created. So on a parcel that's under 35 acres, those structures actually need to be within 200 feet of one another. So that distance is even further reduced on smaller parcels. Um, but it's our interpretation just based upon the master plan that it's a method to reduce sprawl. And, so, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll just add to that also, um, Joella, um, this has been a regulation prior to 19, uh, 2016, uh, where in fact, this property wouldn't have even been eligible when this was built um, for a secondary dwelling unit. Prior to 2016, you would have, um, you would have been eligible if you had 35 acres, but it would have had to been attached to the primary dwelling unit and you would have had to have 50 acres for consideration for it to be detached at that time. And that um, separation was 300 foot separation. In 2016, we went through um, some amendments in the regulations and we proposed the secondary dwelling units before the county commissioners and planning commission at that time to see if they would like to um, be less restrictive on our secondary dwelling unit regulations since we had been gotten requests to do so. And there was a, um, there was a thought to help out um, with the housing issue in, out in the county. Um, so what actually happened is what the allowance is for today for this parcel, if they came through today, they would be allowed consideration for a secondary dwelling unit on 35 acres for it to be separated, but that separation would have to be no more than 200 feet from the primary dwelling unit. Um, that is something that the commissioners still felt strongly um, that they needed to maintain a, um, a maximum separation and that was something that was fully vetted through the Planning Commission and through the Board of County Commissioners and both those uh, boards maintained that there needed to be an appropriate separation to maintain that ranch compound feel, which um, is really supported in the master plan and comes through with our regulations. Um, Christy, uh, you, you said 200 feet, I think it's 300 feet for 35 acre parcels. It, it, did I, I'm sorry. About yeah, that. That was, I think You're you correct. just spoke. Yep. yep, I did. Thank you. Understood. And thank you. Um, it seems to me, under the circumstances of this particular piece of property, that the best solution to address the concerns about, about sprawl within the piece of property is to actually grant this request it means there will be a separate dwelling unit on the property that is not a new structure at all. And if you go by that, it seems to me that that is within the spirit of what was intended by trying to control uh, the, the sprawl within the property. I would also like to know, I'm assuming that the barn would have been permitted when it was built. Does anybody know that to be true or not? I searched for a building permit application for the barn. There was not one. Previously, there was an agricultural exemption for solely and exclusively agricultural structures, um, which we have many 
properties around the county that built solely and exclusively agricultural structures that um, were converted without permits to another use. So this is kind of an example of that. Um, under today's regulations, it would have to be permitted. That agricultural exemption for building permits is no longer. Our, our petitioner has her hand up. I, I'd cede the floor to her for something on this point. Yeah, when we met with Todd Carr, um, he could not find permits for the barn, but the fact that there was a um, electric meter on the barn, he said it must have, what did he say? It, that they wouldn't have put an electric meter on the barn if there hadn't been some kind of a permit for it, if I recall. But that's one of the many issues that we have to, non-compliances that we have to fix. Thank you. I, I, I still have more questions. Um, I'm assuming that the bunkhouse is not currently occupied. It's used as a man cave and storage. My husband spends most of his day down at that workshop. So he's Do down we, at the bottom of the property most of the time. And my understanding is that there is water to it, but that there is not uh, um, septic service there. Correct. Is that correct? Yes, we would install one. Do you have any information as to whether or not that bunkhouse was ever occupied? I realize not in the time that you owned the property, but ever? Well, I know when we first came to look at the property, the owner was down there and not in the house. I don't know if she had it staged or she was living there. I don't don't remember. I don't know, do you? I have spent the night in there at calving season to keep an eye on cattle, on the cattle calving process. Because the, the, the cattle pens are right across from the bunkhouse. That's what made it so handy. Thank you. That's my list of questions. Thank you, Joelle. Any of the other board members uh, need to ask a question? Yeah, this is Nate. Um, so this is for the, uh, the, the owners. Um, have you looked into the possibility of just putting a bunkhouse in the garage? It's, it would obviously reduce your garage space, but it would meet the criteria of the, of the distance. No, we haven't considered that. We actually, um, we use that garage for vehicle storage, um, especially in the winter. We've got our Bob, it's, it's kind of a tandem, four car tandem to garage, garage. So we have our Bobcat in the back in the winter for snow removal. And then our vehicles are in the front. He has his truck also parked in there. In the summer when the Bobcat's not in there, that's where we store our ATVs because that's how we go up and down the property. Um, most of the time when we're working on things, you know, I, I walk down the property for fun, but when we're actively working around the property, we use the ATVs going up and down and we store them in the garage. So there really isn't um, room in the garage for the, our purposes anyway. And, and the whole idea of what made it so handy was the bunkhouse was on the side of the barn where a hired hand and could be keeping an eye on the calving and the feeding and everything that happens down there and wouldn't be invading on our privacy up higher by the house. John? 
Brian, you always have a good question. I've got several. Okay, let's hear them. <clears throat> a look at the zoning resolution or definition of a dwelling or a dwelling unit. And one of the things that is included in the definition is sanitation. And there isn't currently sanitation in um, the barn. I've got some, that's an observation. I've got some historical questions. How did this um, require our uh, approval of a variance. Was there a building permit applied for? I'm sorry, sir, are you asking us or the staff? I'm asking anyone who can answer. My understanding is that uh, no, the <laughs> applicants came to the county and said, we have this structure that we're aware is out of compliance and we'd like to bring it into compliance and get a um, septic system and building permits for it. So they volunteered that there might be an yes. issue. Yeah. We actually met with Todd Carr because we wanted to find out everything on the property that needed fixing. Because as I said, as a retired realtor, I understand the, the critical importance of making sure everything's right for resale. Um, I came from Clear Creek County, Idaho Springs area. And it, it in, the, in the 20 some odd years that I was living there, it became quite an issue for resale where lenders in some cases would require to see building permits and whatnot, um, beside the fact it's just the right thing to do. And yes, so we met with Todd, we found out everything that wasn't permitted and he's got a nice little letter for us of things that we have to tackle. But we thought that would be the first thing to do is get that because that's gonna be one of the most expensive things with the septic and whatnot. Yeah, bringing everything up to snuff. I've improved my shop down there as well with insulation and drywall and electricity and i permitted everything and had it inspected as we're supposed to so yes it sounds crazy but we did volunteer <laughs> gotcha um do we know whether the dwelling portion of the barn was originally constructed with the barn or when it was changed from a barn to something that might be called a dwelling unit? We don't, we, we don't know. I don't know if Tegan has any. Um, I found on the assessor's record, there was, um, they changed an inventory to finished space in the barn in 2008. That is the biggest clue to me that it probably happened in 2008. Um, but definitively, I don't know, um, but that's kind of the, the clue that's given to me that um, piece of information. So we don't know. Let me back up for a moment. So the barn was constructed in 2000 is when the assessor's office is inventorying it as being constructed. And then on their inventory records, there was a note that finished space was included um, in their inventory of that structure in 2008. So it seems like likely in 2008 is when they when that area was 
turned into more than a barn space. Um, but we don't know. But we don't know for certain. So okay. it was constructed in 2000, sometimes since 2000. If the, the dwelling portion weren't there, would the barn be permitted? Yes, yeah. There's no distance requirement for um, outbuildings on a property. Gotcha. So where we are now is that these folks came in to make sure that everything on the property was conforming. And we found out that there might have been something would that would qualify this structure as a dwelling, at least a portion. So they're here today asking for some relief from the distancing. If, if we don't approve the application, if we don't approve the relief being sought, what happens to the barn? The barn, can, the barn can remain and that space can be converted into a conforming use. So a detached office or something along those lines, as long as they go through and get the building permits associated with that, um, they're allowed to do that. They don't have to tear that space off of there. It cannot be used for overnight accommodations um, or as a dwelling space because this request is to be able to use it as a dwelling space that somebody occupies it, which is not currently permitted to do. Similarly, if they didn't construct the um, sanitation, that would take it outside the definition of a dwelling unit, wouldn't it? Yes, we, Route County does not allow remote bedrooms though. So it would not be allowed to be occupied overnight or used as a bedroom or an overnight space. So they could use it, could they use it as is just for office space? Yeah. Yeah, they would, there's likely some building permits that they would still need to get from the building department to use it as an accessory space, because um, everything in my research indicates it was built as a solely and exclusively agricultural building. So if they wanted to use it as something aside from agriculture, they, there might be some building permits that would be required uh, by the building department, but planning would allow it. There'd probably be some sort of notations on their permit. Sorry? There'd probably be some sort of notation on their permit um, and it would be a change of use from a barn to whatever it is that they would want to use it for outside of it being for habitable use, if you will. I'm mystified by the entire process. I know that in the past, um, it's been suggested to me that we shouldn't consider um, existing buildings, we should just look at it as though it was an application for a structure to be built. I've never agreed with that. Um, right, we, we've had that discussion in the past. This is not, you know, the, the easy ones, you know, to decide on for sure, because the building is there. Um, and this is typically a difficult one to make a decision of, um, but really, 
the question is, is this something that you would approve somebody requesting a secondary dwelling unit more than the 300 foot separation today? But there is an existing structure there. And what's causing the issue is the existing structure is some of the attributes of a dwelling unit. Correct? Correct. So the applicant could elect to use that space for something else and not go through this process, but they expressively would like to allow somebody to occupy it as a renter or what have you. Let's get her hand up. Yeah, again, uh, whoever had improved it, you know, it's got a little kitchenette in it, it's got a closet, it's got a separate room for a bedroom and then a separate room where there's a shower and some space there. So it's not really usable as an office per se. I mean, I suppose, but it's, again, it's got all the, like you said, it's got all the characteristics of a dwelling, which seems the most practical use for it. From our perspective, anyways. Right. And from, a, and from a zoning standpoint, I mean, the difficult portion that we all have to deal with is the precedent and, you know, um, the fact that somebody could knowingly, I'm not saying these applicants, um, obviously they, um, they, they bought this, um, with the secondary dwelling unit already in it, but knowing what the right rules and regulations are, you could in theory just go ahead and build a barn with the intent to building a, building a secondary dwelling unit later and just asking for forgiveness. And, you know, with the theory, well, it's there anyway. Um, so this is, this is the difficult part that, you know, it's, it doesn't feel good, but there are rules and regulations in place for, for a reason. Um, so it's really, you know, Joella was, you know, making a good argument about the spirit and intent. We provided the history of why those regulations are in place um, and whether or not you, you agree um, with that assessment um, of whether or not this is still in the spirit and intent of why those regulations were put in place. And I don't, I don't have a question. Um, I'm sorry. Can you tell me why you think uh, a building permit would be necessary to tear out the plumbing, for instance? For plumbing or electrical, um, absolutely um, permits would be required by the building permit um, to make sure that it's done correctly and meets codes. So an ag building in itself, um, in a, a true hay barn, for example, um, wouldn't require um, uh, wouldn't require permits. That's something that, um, depending on the nature of the building, um, you know, that is something that could just be built provided you meet setbacks. Once you start putting in electric or plumbing, those are things that need to be inspected and make sure that they're done correctly. I'm um, talking about taking them out. Oh, taking them out. I don't but know. The, the plumbing wouldn't have to be taken out. Um, you know, it, it depends on, we would work with the applicant um, for what it is that they would like to use this building for outside of somebody sleeping in it. Um, it brings it to a whole nother um, level that if this were approved, the applicants are gonna have to work with the building department to bring this building um, 
into compliance to meet building codes because it wasn't built for the use that they would like. So I believe they understand that. Um, but if they um, wanted to use this for, as Tegan said, an office um, or even, um, you know, a storage area, but you can still have a bathroom in it, we're not permitting it for somebody to sleep in it. There's a big difference because there's different codes that kick in when you are going to, you know, house people in some of these um, outbuildings. So that's where we just get involved and we will absolutely work with the applicant on, you know, on either um, on either direction of, you know, what the decision is here tonight to make sure that it just has its permits and it's permitted for what it's being used for. So, Brian, just to clarify, people... People can and have one more thing and then I'll be quiet. Okay. okay. This is the staff's position that what makes it into a dwelling unit is the ability for overnight sleep. So I'm having a tough time with it. So so a, an outbuilding can have can have bathrooms, they can have kitchens, they could have sanitation. However, um, when a building permit application comes to our department and they have a kitchen or a bathroom in it, if they have any plumbing, what's, they have to record what's called a plumbing agreement. That plumbing agreement specifies the use of that area and it clarifies that it's not permitted for occupancy um, because it hasn't been reviewed for occupancy. It hasn't been reviewed under the residential building code for occupancy, which require, requires higher fire separation. It requires um, different levels of um, engineering sometimes. So let's say they said we want to use this as an office to our barn um, and there's a bathroom in it so someone who's working in the barn can use the bathroom during the day that is recorded in an agreement at the clerk and recorder's office so it's a, a public record and when anybody new goes to purchase that property and they pull a title commitment that document comes up so nobody purchases this in the future and says there's a bathroom in that barn someone can sleep in it they're seeing that it's an office and it's not reviewed or approved for occupancy. So don't buy this property assuming that you can have a tenant in it. Um, so there's an entire process to be able to have plumbing in outbuildings. Um, unfortunately, whoever illegally installed these items um, in there didn't go through the application process. Let me correct you for a moment. We don't know whether it was illegal because we don't know when those items were installed, do we? No, they were illegal. There are no building permits for them. Building permits are required for plumbing, electrical and mechanical. So there's there's no building permits for that space being converted into um, habitable or finished space or plumbing. I've done that research, they don't exist. And a possible reason for them not existing would be the building is old enough so that it wouldn't have been required at the time? No, the building was built in 2000. It's relatively new. I mean, this is a clear example of the prior owner. Somebody before the applicants here um, did work without building permits, period. Um, and, you know, um, for them to be able to use it in the manner of which they are requesting 
which is for a secondary dwelling unit, they need approvals from you to finish the process with the building department. Got to, that part. Yeah. Let okay. me interrupt you. When I asked earlier of T whether we knew when that construction occurred, she said, we don't know. And I think that's correct. We I said eyes from what went on in the assessor's office, that it was built at a certain time. Mm -hmm. is, do we, as a board of adjustment, want to make that surmise? So um, the, the I don't have any The structure was constructed, that barn was constructed in the year 2000. In 2000, we, we have aerial imagery and we have the assessor's records of inventorying of when it was constructed. And we did, the that's, information is clear that it was constructed as a barn. It was intended to be a barn, not for anything beyond a barn or for it to be converted to be used for anything other than a true ag storage barn. However, based on inspections, it has been converted. The applicants, you know, are, are requesting um, for the work that has been done to remain. I believe the applicant has a question. Go ahead. Just a, just a comment because of the discussion with the barn. Um, again, when we met with Todd, he didn't have a permit for the barn, but he did show it was permitted. The electrical was permitted. So with all due respect, when we also looked into the main dwelling septic, um, environmental health didn't have septic records. And when she went to check her file, it turned out actually it was missing because there was a gap between two files and the number that she had. So I'm wondering if maybe the barn originally was permitted, but somehow the permit was lost or misplaced um, because Todd thought it was strange that it, the electrical was permitted, but the barn wasn't. So uh, staff can probably comment on that. Yeah, and, and we've and we've seen that before. Um, and, and my rationale for that would be that um, barns don't require permits, but how it's been converted would. Um, however, there is um, you know a second part to that being that if this were built without a permit for a barn, which it wasn't required to have a permit just for the barn itself. Um, sometime after that, they could have wanted to put electric in their barn and that you can do, you just need a permit to do it. And that would justify why, or that would really um, explain why there was an electrical permit and not for the barn itself, because again, the barn wouldn't have required a permit. However, the work that has been done since then to convert it to what's there now which is a secondary dwelling unit would in fact require permits through the building department and approvals through the planning department to register it as a secondary dwelling unit. And those haven't happened, but even if they did come before us back then, it was something that wouldn't have been permitted anyway. And this is since the year 2000, which is relatively recent history in county record keeping. Um, you know, sometimes when we see properties that are in the 
early 80s, late 70s, early 70s, those ones are more likely that something has gone missing. But this one, I mean, these things are in our digital files that are so recent. I don't really have a question. Um, I have a comment and I don't know if our comments are in a different, um, a different place in our agenda. Yeah, hold, hold that for when we have our round table discussion. Uh, okay. Question time. Okay. <clears throat> okay, I, I have a question um, and it's with respect to the construction of this barn. Uh, what type of foundation and flooring is in that building? In the barn itself, the yes. barn is just a pole, just a dirt floor with poles, like a pole building. Okay. Uh, now, it, the barn is almost like three structures in one. There's the barns in the center, and, and the bunkhouse is on one side, and there's a storage, or they, they used it for a chicken coop on the other side. But they're kind of separate. There, there was wall dividers and not even a door to access. You got to leave one side to enter the other. You leave the building outdoors. Now the bunkhouse has a concrete floor. Slab. Slab, yeah. And, and the other side has... Um, Dirt floor. No, the concrete around it. What's the... Footer. I forgot the name. Footer. Footer, footer yeah. yeah. All, all around that side. There's footers on that side. Okay. And what's the square footage of that concrete slab for the bunkhouse area? Oh, let me get that. Oh, I think it's nice. Where was it? Uh, it was 41 by 10. 41.2 by 10. So 412 square feet. And we would retain that. And again, we intend to, if the variance is approved, to go through all the processes to get everything compliant. Okay. So we're, we have a building uh, that you're trying to salvage and use for living space that's 400 square feet, basically. Yes, sir, 412. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else have any questions? We are ready, I guess we'll be uh, uh, ready then to uh, solicit any, any comments from the public, but we don't have any public. So I guess we can call that done. And um, so at this point, um, uh, I believe we're ready to close the public hearing. And, uh, and we'll be, uh, now soliciting, soliciting comments from the board. Uh, at this point, the, uh, we thank the applicant for your input. And um, we certainly now will deliberate a bit, which you will hear, and uh, we'll talk about, uh, about this. So uh, I'll open this up to the board. Uh, please uh, come forward with your comments and discussion now. Becky, you can jump in. And give us okay. your <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I really appreciated the um, analysis that Tegan had made in 
in the staff's report. And I, I guess I'm of the opinion that we have these rules, um, these zoning rules um, for a purpose. And we have the um, requirements for adjustments to those rules also for a purpose. And I thought um, Tegan's analysis of why this applicant did not um, satisfy those um, exceptions uh, was very good. So um, I, I think it all, we all look at, at these kind of situations and, and sort of say, oh gosh, I, I feel sorry for these folks and, and wish we could let them do what they wanna do, but that's not what our job is. Our job is to apply the, um, and, and I'm not even gonna call them strict. Our, our job is to apply the conditions for the exceptions um, and, and a, look at those and, a, and look at what the facts are. So I just, um, I, I agree with Tegan. I, I think this, this should not be allowed. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Well, I bet you know where I'm gonna come out on this because I, I opened with my thoughts about the whole reason for um, the particular requirements as to the location of an additional dwelling unit. If this barn were within that uh, distance from, from the house, nobody would be, nobody would be arguing about it. I still believe that the original intention of that limitation uh, should control over all of the subsets of rules that are, that are intended to accomplish that purpose. If they're applied here, it defeats the purpose. One of two things can happen. Either they, they don't have an additional dwelling unit, and I'll get back to that in a second, or they build another structure on this property, which is really not necessary to accomplish what they want. And that goes against the whole idea of, of preventing sprawl and preventing just huge areas where buildings are dropped down as if from the sky. The second thing that I think about this is that something we have not talked about, but it does appear in the petition, is that the intention here is for either a ranch hand and or ultimately a caretaker unit. What our petitioners have said is, we cannot afford to build what the county would require by, in, in terms of an additional dwelling unit we will not have that money. So if we say no to this, what we're saying to them is, when you reach the point where you must have a caretaker, you are out of luck on this piece of property because you don't have the necessary income to build the, the secondary unit in accordance with the county requirement. And we're also saying this could be this could be affordable housing. 
and it's not going to happen because it doesn't meet these requirements. You're going to have to build an additional structure, which because of the cost of building it, isn't affordable housing. Those are my notes. Okay, thank you, Joella. Very good. Okay, Nathan. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll come back to you, Becky. Okay. Yeah, I guess my comments would be, I mean, I don't see the financial reasons as any sort of hardship because the cost of building stuff is the cost is what it's going to be tomorrow and the next day. And it's just, it is what it is. Um, but the, if I heard right, the dwelling unit is 400 square feet. If you were to chop 400 square feet out of the current garage, you're not going to lose a whole lot of space and you could put some of your tractors down in the below barn and you still get storage. Um, you could extend the current garage and still be within the uh, the zoning and you know there's also that where that historic building is. I mean you can I mean you could knock down the you know that uh, that small cabin and, and put something there. But I think there's plenty of other opportunities to uh, achieve a secondary dwelling unit without giving any variance whatsoever. Thank you, Nathan. Okay, Becky, we'll come back to you. Uh, okay, I, I I think Nate's comments were um, were very good. Um, I I think I understand what Joelle is saying, but I'm not sure that's our job, and so I I, I don't think we can look beyond what the rules are in the case and say do the facts. Um, justify under these rules and regulations a variance. And um, even though I, like I said, I, I think we all look at at uh, the applicant situation and say, wow, this is um, this is an unfortunate thing that it doesn't apply, doesn't comply. Um, but I think Tegan also pointed out these things were all knowable when they bought the property. And it, it's not like, oh, gosh, this was something that was hidden. But um, I just, as I said before, I, I thought Tegan's analysis was very good. And I think this should be denied. Okay. Brian, where are you? Do you have any comments, Brian? I hope we didn't lose them. Figure out how to unmute. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I told you at one point that I'm a Luddite and uh, all of these things confuse me. Where I am, whole thing is that I think on what the Route County zoning resolution permits us to do. And each of the permitting requirements are the same as those that are contained in the state statute. If we find in um, 3.4.6A1 is expressed in the disjunctive, we can either find that there are peculiar or exceptional practical difficulties, or we can find that there's an unnecessary and unreasonable hardship that'll be imposed on the property owner if the provisions are strictly enforced. It's pretty easy for me to 
look at that second part of the bifurcation and say, you know, if we don't allow these folks to continue their use of the barn as a bunkhouse, then it's going to present an unnecessary and unreasonable hardship upon them. And there's nothing at all in the permitting uh, portions of the regulations that say that, that we can't take into consideration the financial hardship. There's nothing that says that we can't take into consideration that requiring a property owner to construct a, another structure can't be taken into consideration. There's nothing in the regulations that say that when we're determining whether there is a, a necessary and unreasonable hardship, there's nothing that says that we can't take a look at the history here. There's nothing that to um, echo what Joella is saying, there's nothing that would prevent us from uh, taking into consideration the supposed reason for the, uh, the distance requirement is to encourage clustering. And isn't this clustering of the buildings in that section of the property, something that I'm sure the commissioners would encourage. I wouldn't vote against granting the application. We haven't heard from Jerry. Yeah, I guess my thoughts are I philosophically, I wish the rule wasn't there, but I just can't uh, get around the uh, just the reading of what they set out and what they want to do. So I'm I'm on the fence, but probably more leaning towards um, uh, non-approval. Thank you, Jerry. <clears throat> Anyone else have anything else to add? Okay, then I guess I'll throw my two cents in. <clears throat> um, I guess what I'm having the uh, uh, biggest problems with is we address similar uh, things over time. Usually we have some severe uh, uh, difficulties because of terrain. We don't have that here. And that's a, a big one. Um, we have flat land um, and um, it's really not up to us to uh, figure out 
what the commissioners mean. We, our job is to uh, rate this, these cases on the basis of what we've been guided to do. I think the, uh, the biggest uh, problem that I have is that the only real uh, uh, hardship here is a financial one. Certainly we're not in the business of rating people's ability to pay for things. Um, and the fact that the existing slab, which is the beginning of the, of the whole gig of, uh, of building uh, a small dwelling, uh, we have 400 square feet. Uh, it's barely, you know, it's, it's next to nothing. So I don't see the savings here so much and to drive me to kind of step on uh, the way that we are uh, pushed uh, in our decisions uh, to stay away from the financial hardship thing. I mean, we consider it and certainly we, there are, you're, these are our neighbors and we, we'd like to do the best we can, but when it comes to the findings of fact here, we would be hard pressed. I mean, the only thing we can write in that is a financial hardship. And I don't think that that's really there uh, because if, if the slab was the size of a, of a small dwelling, well, okay. And if there was infrastructure there, well, okay. But we hardly have that. So uh, that's, that's my comment. Anyone else have anything to add? Okay, do we, uh, uh, staff, do we have, uh, actually have more members here than we need? We only need five, right? Aren't there, are there six? With, Jer with Jerry? Yeah, no, you've got, you need, you need uh, five, you have six. Okay. And uh, Joella and Nate, I think, are the two alternates. Is that correct, Christy? Uh, I believe that's correct. Okay. Uh, poses a little bit of a problem for me because from the conversations, uh, Jerry and Joella seem to be on opposite sides of, uh, of opinion. Well, I don't know which one is the first alternate and which yeah. is the second, but I think that that is probably the determining factor, but I don't have that uh, recorded. Do you my know recollection that? is that I'm the first alternate. You should double check that, but that is my recollection. That's correct. Yeah, because I, yeah, I was the alternate uh, last meeting. Okay. So, so will it be Nathan that steps down from the uh, uh, vote? That is that is correct. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Nate, for sitting through this with us. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> okay. All right. So then, uh, at this point. Um, uh, we're, we're at the moment where um, we're going to look for a motion uh, for uh, this, this petition to be approved. Do we have that motion? Move to approve the petition. Do we have a second? 
Uh, wait, wait, wait. Um, um, I think you need to get the findings of fact to fill in those criteria. Oh, okay. Well, we've had, we've had the discussions. Uh, we'll put it up on the screen for you. There you go. Okay. Um, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know how we proceed here. We, uh, when you, when, when, okay. I when think the person that makes the motion right. has to provide right. the findings of fact on which their motion is based. And then you guys can decide whether or not those criteria and those findings of fact are something you can agree with. Okay. Well, that puts the pressure on Joella. I guess since she's made the motion. So uh, would you go forward with that and um, give us your, uh, your uh, comments on the finding fact? I think that, um, well, it's interesting. Findings of fact that may be appropriate. It doesn't say that we must find all of these things to be the case. It seems to me that wait, wait. Uh, points four and five are the ones that I am looking at here. The variance will not diminish the value, use, or enjoyment of the adjacent properties. This is something that our applicant has pointed out, nor curtail desirable light, air, etc., nor change the character of the neighborhood. Well, that's certainly true. And I actually believe that the variance is not directly contrary to the intent and purpose of this resolution or the route county master plan. Beyond that, the staff is going to have to tell me about the route county zoning regulations standards. However, the other thing that I would say, and it doesn't appear anywhere here, is that when we talk about being able to take an existing structure and repurpose or rehabilitate it versus building a new structure, we're all now beginning to talk about what is, what is more sustainable and what is less sustainable. And certainly rehabilitating this structure is more sustainable no, than trying to build a new one. But, but Joella, at this point, that, that's part of what we've gone through in the discussion portion, uh, and that's your opinion, which I appreciate. Yes, that's but an opinion only. Now we're at, now we're at this, this point where we have to be able to fill in the blanks here. Um, and I, you do have to do all of them. Um, it says that they may be appropriate because we put in some staff comments that you may agree with. We, we try to give you some uh, comments for you to consider. But for this application to be approved, you have to meet all the criteria. Um, so um, if you want to add to your comments to fill in the blanks for the rest, uh, you can do that. You should do that. <laughs> You're asking me to wave a magic wand, um, which, which I cannot do. Uh, based upon what I have seen over the past year, when we've talked about an unnecessary and unreasonable hardship, what we've really talked about is setbacks on uh, property where the, uh, uh, the physical conditions of the property would make it 
basically unbuildable if we didn't grant a variance. And that is clearly not the case that we have here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, circumstances creating the hardship were created subsequently. Uh, subsequent to what? Uh, certainly no fault of the appellant. I, I don't know how we get anywhere with that one. Um, the extraordinary and exceptional situation does not occur generally in other property. That doesn't apply. I'll, I'll give you all of that. That doesn't apply. I'm not going to try to tell you that it does. Isn't, isn't the state statute required that all five have to be met? It does. It, it does. And, and so, um, Joella, you know, you, you've provided a lot of um, good thought and a lot of opinions, but, you know, it, it's clear that, you know, based on you making a motion for approval that all five can't be met unless somebody thinks otherwise. So, um, you know, unless you can provide comment, um, you know, I don't know if, um, if somebody else who may agree wants to try, if not, um, you may want to consider an alternative. Um, this is Becky. I guess, I guess that was my point is that we do have to comply with all of these. And I just don't think that the facts allow us to do that. They're just, um, we don't have the facts to fill in the blanks for numbers one, two, and three. Can anyone on the board uh, come up with uh, reasonable uh, information or reasonable uh, verbiage uh, that would uh, allow us to give a serious consider and vote on uh, findings of fact one, two, three. Joella? I, I wish I could, but I can't. You want me to give it a shot? You're welcome to, Brian. Sure. Fill in the blank. Because the applicant would be required to construct an additional structure in order to have a bunkhouse for use by its staff. Circumstances creating the hardship were created subsequently through no fault of the appellant because the staff cannot with a, a definitive statement state that this um, dwelling portion was created uh, prior to, was not created prior to the appellants acquiring the property. Um, the exceptional 
situation or condition, which does not generally occur in other properties in the same zone district. The physical constraint is the improvement currently exists and what causes it to become non-conforming is the existence of some of the aspects that make it fall within the, the definition of a, 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 a dwelling. Um, I would point out that not all of the characteristics exist for it to be considered a dwelling. Sanitation doesn't exist. Um, staff rightly advises us that if it was going to be used as a dwelling, there would be permitting required in order to uh, make sanitation available if it were going to be used for that. But as far as I'm concerned, that's for another day and for another entity, not our board. There you go. Okay, so we well, have, hey, we hey, have Donald, hey Donald, I, I know I'm not voting, but can I, can I make one comment to, to Brian's remark? Yeah. Um, so yeah. for point number one, the peculiar and exceptional, um, I think it's incorrect to say that they would be required to build any new dwelling. They have a dwelling that's right there, the garage that they could convert a section into um, a dwelling space. So that there is no new building that would potentially need, it would be inconvenience because you couldn't store as many vehicles in the garage, but that is an option. So I don't think we can say as a fact that we'd be forcing them to build another, uh, another building. And since we're Adding on to the comments, uh, uh, my my sense is that there's barely a building to start out with. I mean, there's a barn, but as far as uh, there being uh, a, a dwelling fit uh, building, I, I don't see that. So I, I can't see that there is even a financial problem with, with the overall overview, even if you want to consider that. And uh, we're we're not here to rethink the this uh, uh, situation, and I frankly don't want to have to deal with this same uh, situation in the future uh, by setting a precedence personally. And I and I think that's a really important consideration um, because our people are going to look at the decisions this board has made and why they, it has made these decisions. And I, I just think it's really important that we say, you have to comply with all five of these. And I, I appreciate Brian's efforts to, um, to fill in the blanks on one, two, and three, but they're just a stretch. And, and I, I don't think we should stretch. Okay. Very. So, uh, is, is it appropriate at this point that uh, we uh, vote on the matter? Yes, because otherwise I'd have to leave. Jerry? 
What are we voting on? Would you? Whether uh, there's been a, a motion and there's been a second, uh, we've attempted to come up with verbiage uh, and uh, uh, Brian has uh, given us uh, a basis that we can say, yeah, okay, we're buy we buy that uh, um, or not. Could I could I get a clarification as to was that was that Joella's motion or was that Brian's motion? It became mine. I All guess right, it's so Brian's motion. So who is the second? Okay, we have a second on the basis of Brian's uh, explanation. So the so the motion is Joella's and the second is Brian's. Well, I think we'll have to uh, switch that to okay. Brian's, Brian's motion because he. And then uh, so Joella is the second. If she is. I, uh, I am. Okay. okay, got it. Thank you. Okay, we're at that point. So we're at the point now where um, uh, we would uh, call for a vote. Uh, do we, uh, in my notes, it says uh, a vote by roll call or do you wanna just do a general uh, vote as we do many times, all in favor, et cetera. Uh, what do you think, Sarah? You Let's do a vote by roll call, Sarah. Would you mind doing that just so it's no, clear? No, that, that, that is fine. Okay, roll call vote. All right, so I'm assuming Brian, you are a vote for yes. Yay. Joella? Yay. Um, who else is voting? Oh, uh, Becky? No. Don? Or not Don, he's the, he goes last. Um, Jerry? No. And Don? No. Okay, so that uh, fails three to two. Um, in order to approve a variance, uh, you also have to have four votes. So I'm assuming that there would be a vote to deny next. Is that correct? Do we need that? I don't. You do. I think that uh, unless there were four of us that would vote in favor of the motion, it fails. Do you disagree with that, staff? No, I, I, I agree no, that, with Yeah, Brian. that motion failed. Right, so now there needs to be a new motion on the table. I would move that we deny the, the petition. And, and Becky, um, can you just um, state the reasons why, the, the obvious? Yes, because I don't think the petition um, satisfies the five necessary requirements. Okay, thank you. Is there a second? Second, Jerry. Okay. Okay, so the variance is denied. Uh, let's have it just vote on that just to get it on the record. Okay, once again now, uh, this is a vote. Uh, to deny the uh, applicant for variance. You want to do it by roll call? Uh, sure. Hey, Brian. No. Jo uh, Joella. No. Becky. Yes. Jerry. 
Yes. And Don. Yay. Okay, so the vote to uh, deny the variance uh, passed three to two. Okay, well, we appreciate um, the applicants' uh, work on this. Uh, certainly, we're, uh, we're on your team, but we also are uh, required by the, by the county to consider these things uh, in, in accordance with these findings of fact. And um, so, uh, sorry that it didn't go your way. Thank you all for your time. Thank you. We'll, we'll be in touch. Uh, Tegan, we'll get in touch with you um, to work through this. Okay. Are Appreciate we okay to leave then? Uh, you right, are. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Claude. Um, so um, we do have an administrator's report. Um, the Typically, at the first meeting of the year, we elect a new chair. Um, as you know, um, Jeff has been the chair the past year, and typically uh, staff recommends uh, the most senior um, uh, person, uh, member of Board of Adjustment. Um, we could choose a new chair, or um, you can maintain and keep the existing chair. Um, it's totally up to all of you. I don't believe you have to vote tonight. We just want to plant that seed. Um, and um, if everybody was really confident one way or the other um, and wanted to make a vote tonight, Jeff is not with us tonight. Um, so I would propose that we could um, do a vote either verbally tonight or we can have, um, we can reach out to you. Sarah and I can reach out to you and have you um, send us your vote offline if you'd be more comfortable in doing that. And we can inform you who the um, chair will be at our next meeting and we can prep that person moving forward. Christy? Yes. Since Jeff isn't here, I would propose that uh, we to serve an additional term. If he Sir. were here, he could tell us whether he's willing, but he's not here. Wait, I, I just missed that part. I'm sorry. Did you say that you're proposing for him to continue to serve? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I second that. I third it. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of had a sneaking suspicion <laughs> that you may all uh, feel that way, but um, I wanted to um, just have that conversation with you all. Um, and if you are all nominating Jeff, <laughs> he can't say no. That's right. <laughs> with him not being there. <laughs> um, Anybody have a problem with that? Um, I, I hope not. Um, <laughs> we'll double check, check with yeah, Jeff. We'll, <laughs> we'll let you know. The second part of that is vice chair. Um, Don has been vice chair. Um, I know he was a little reluctant to um, be put on the spot tonight, um, but I think he did a great job under the, the circumstances running the meeting, Don. And it's just a matter of becoming more comfortable doing it. And um, I think he did a great job. So um, with that, I don't know if you want to maintain Don as a uh, vice or again, um, you know, I'll, I'll put that to all of you. I vote for Don. Appropriate <laughs> Yes. Vote for Don. I'd go for Don. 
<laughs> Whether here. you like it or not, Don, here we have another one. Oh, well, it wasn't all that bad. <laughs> it's, uh, you, you, you did great. Uh, this was not an easy one for anybody. And um, it's just a matter of um, these decisions are never easy, um, but you know the regulations are in place. Uh, one of the things I'd like to propose to all of you is, um, you know, as we're going through the update of this master plan, we're still in finalizing the outreach phase. But, you know, if there are things that you see in our regulations, um, you know, and this is a great example of, you know, the, the intent, the spirit and intent of the master plan and for the regulations that, you know, especially the separation this is something that as we go through updating the master plan, we can, you know, put it out there to the community as, you know, whether or not secondary dwelling units, um, you know, some of the criteria that are in secondary dwelling units, specifically the separation, um, if that is still relevant, is it still in keeping with um, the spirit and intent of the master plan and keeping that ranch compound feel, um, you know, it's been a couple of years since we checked in about secondary dwelling units. I know this is something that Planning Commission and the commissioners um, want to dive in a little bit deeper and hear from the community. Um, but this is something that if you ever um, felt strongly about something that is existing in our regulations, we can definitely, um, you know, propose that and put that out to the public and have more of a conversation. Um, this is a different time. We're dealing with different issues um, today. Obviously, housing is an issue. We do get a lot of requests for secondary dwelling units. Um, I'm not saying it's going to change, but it's something that you can always shoot me an email um, or pick up the phone. We can have a conversation about it. And, you know, things are not set in stone in the regulations. Um, we routinely bring amendments to our Board of County Commissioners, um, you know, just to check in and see, you know, if things need to be tweaked or amended. Um, but now is the time, especially going through the master plan, because as you know, the master plan will help guide um, and have us update the regulations, uh, which will be the second part of that process. We wanna make sure that there is alignment and we have regulations that support the master plan. So um, I'm sorry, I have a monkey jumping behind me. <laughs> uh, there, uh, we had uh, one of these cases uh, a couple of years ago, do you remember Brian down in Oak Creek where it was a very similar thing. There was a, a barn that was uh, beyond the 300 foot limit. <clears throat> we actually allowed that, we allowed that variance, but the difference was that that property had no place to build on it. And so uh, there just wasn't any place that they could uh, put an extra building. So we approved that one. Uh, but there was a reason, and the hardship. I do remember that, and I also remember that we approved a variance. Actually, I I don't recall whether that was something that uh, was a dwelling unit. Was it done? Um, if it's no, the, it was, it was. Okay, I think yeah, but we didn't. Uh, you get into those, we have, we always have all these properties with, that have really bad, either bad geometry to the physical plot or 
topography problems. And we, yeah. we're, we're, we're happy to help people with, with that type of thing. In this case, the biggest thing to me was they weren't starting out with enough. You know, yeah. they, they yeah. didn't really have that much into it. And so to, uh, to approve that just didn't make sense to me. Right, and the decisions through Board of Adjustment are very different from land use type applications, use permits, where um, Board of Adjustment is very black and white, you know, um, and, and it's hard sometimes to make those decisions. Um, you know, and, and I always go back to, um, you know, when we are considering variance applications, it's just what would prevent, you know, if, if we don't hold the line somewhere, why have regulations and zoning? And so, you know, it just tells somebody, you know, oh, well, I'll just do it anyway and ask for forgiveness later and they're going to approve it. You know, I'm not saying that's what these applicants were trying to do, but, um, but it is the same precedent that's being set and, um, you know, and, and that's just what I always try to keep my keep in mind for myself as we go through reviewing variance applications. As hard as that is, sometimes it's really heart wrenching, you know, and people have all sorts of, you know, things that they feel are hardships to them. But, you know, by definition and what's written in the regulations, um, it's, it's not really, you know, for somebody to say, for example, I, I needed to build bigger space because I have five kids, you know, and it's like, well, just because you have five kids, that was a personal choice, unfortunately. And that's harsh, you know, having that conversation. But, you know, when it comes to zoning and granting variances, it, it is very black and white. And just because you have five kids and I have one versus um, somebody who doesn't have any doesn't give you any rights over somebody else. Um, that That's a really hard example, but um, anyway. Um, so, Sarah, do we need an actual vote on any of that, or are we good? I think we got votes on all of it. Okay. Um, let's see. I mean, uh, I think, you know, everybody said it. The only, th the only uh, uh, sort of caveat is that if Jeff goes along with it, because if Jeff <laughs> says, no, 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 I don't want to do this, then you guys are going to have to start over. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll make sure he says yes. Okay, got it. Um, and, um, Tegan, what do we have on the books? Have we have anything new submitted on your end? I think there's one, right? Um, we have one submitted. We're waiting on some documents, so they are not making it in time for the February meeting. So we're, um, likely going to have that one scheduled in March, um, dependent on they're waiting on a survey. So they're, of course, design professionals are like really busy right now. Um, so we'll see if they get it in in time for the March meeting, but we have there. And from then to now, we could get more than one um, also, but as always, um, we will keep you informed where we're at um, with applications and how many there'll be. From this point forward, um, I don't know where we'll be in March with COVID, but as you know, um, and just the erring on the side of caution, we have moved all of our public hearings from Board of County Commissioners, Planning Commission and Board of Adjustment to this virtual format. Um, we'll just keep continuing to reassess where we're at and hopefully by March, um, we're in a um, moving in the right direction um, and hopefully can go back into a, um, a format in person and have no owl mishaps. 
Um, just, oh, so you know, <laughs> just so you know, I was just at a meeting um, in Hayden presenting for the master plan and they were using the owl and their owl also went berserk. And I was like, see, <laughs> we just all need to go back to person at some point, uh, which will be great. Um, apart okay. from that, um, Nate, um, thank you for your great comments tonight. I just want to continue to encourage you because you didn't officially get to vote tonight, but your comments, you know, did go a long way. Um, and, and they are Ooh. definitely valuable. So, um, you know, typically we don't have, you know, this kind of participation and this is great. Um, you know, that everybody is joining in on these meetings, um, and we're not having to try to get people from planning commission over to join a meeting just so we have a quorum. Um, but I just wanted to point that out. Um, we appreciate it and everybody um, for your efforts tonight. It wasn't an easy one. So we, we will not have a meeting in February. We will not. Um, so as of right now, we have an application in, but we can't um, schedule it yet because it's not complete. And okay. now they won't meet the noticing deadlines. Okay. So but you can expect that that application will be on for March. Okay. Awesome. Okay, Thank you so three. much. What's that? We adjourn. <laughs> there you okay. go. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. Stay Happy New Year. Everybody. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks, all. Done. Great job tonight. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Cool.